Welcome back to Classroom Brew. This is actually going to be my appearance on Too Much Scrolling. Some of you guys were asking for that, so I wanted to provide that for you guys here. You can check out Steve and Chip's podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all the places that you can find the one and only Classroom Brew. Please make sure that you rate and review in iTunes or whatever app you're using. That really helps me out. And of course, spread the word. So hope you guys enjoy this feature on Too Much Scrolling, the Classroom Brew crossover appearance, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to let Chip and Steve take it from here. Good morning! This is Trey Corte from the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, and you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. Good morning! Welcome to Too Much Scrolling for February 20th, 2018. I'm Steve Fodor. And I'm Chip Hessenflug. We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. Like this week... When we have an in-studio guest. In-studio guest? Yeah, here in the basement, I have I have a new friend. Actually, a really old friend. Ryan from the Classroom Brew podcast is joining us. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Look, Chip, there's somebody else in the room. Exactly. We need to order a pizza. <laughs> we should... We should Make it like classroom brew and get some pizzas and some exactly. beers. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. College level. <laughs> this is a college level course today. That's that's what college level course means, right? It pizzas does. And beers. Lots of beer. A lot of pizza. <laughs> a lot of beer. I had a teacher that did that once. A professor. He took us to. He was like, ah, oh, there's only four of us. Let's just go to this local bar for class every week. And we did. <laughs> that's awesome. And we did. And you learned a lot. We learned a lot. His name was, stories. He was named as Mr. Hand. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't what you were supposed to be learning, but you learned a lot. Oh, it's awesome. That's hey, that's that's part of what it's all about, man. Learning is is what we're here for. Film at eleven. Brings us to our film at 11, our movie of the week. You, Chip, you got to see the movie of the winter. I'm still calling this the winter, right? It's it is snowing. the winter. It's still the winter. It, it's Steve, we, we had snow last night. Yeah, it keeps snowing. It keeps snowing over and over and over again here in Chicago. Yeah. You got to see Black Panther. I, I haven't, so you cannot spoil me on this. Yeah, I'm right? jealous. I'm so jealous. It was sold out. You tried to go see Black Panther, but there yeah. were no seats left in the theater. Yeah, it was, I was really depressed about it, actually. That's, that tells you something. All right, so we went to see it, or I went to see it locally okay. at our local theater, and they were showing this film every 15 minutes. Wow. Every 15 phenomenon. minutes. So as, uh, you know, the, the 7 o'clock, then 7.15, 7.30, I mean, it just kept going. They kept filling up theaters, wow. and the place was packed. Every two hours, Steve, they had a, um, a Spanish-dubbed uh, showing also. So it wasn't just... Uh, it was. It was. They they were playing for everybody. Wow. They playing for everyone. It's awesome though. They oh, need yeah. that more of that. Oh yeah, and there was a lot of excitement in the air. Uh, you could tell there are a lot of people who were going to the theater, um, who had not normally. This is not what they would do on a Thursday night, but okay. they but they wanted to be caught up in the uh, the excitement. The cultural phenomenon that is the Black Panther. We've heard so much about this. There's so much to a Marvel film that is so culturally different from all of the others. Does this film do justice to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? It fits right in with all the Marvel films. Good. So if you like Marvel films, 
the other ones, Captain America or Iron Man, or you, you will absolutely, you'll enjoy it on that level. Uh, it's as uh, comforting and as joyful as that could be. Okay. You are going to Africa for this. Um, so very similar to Asgard in many ways. You're, it's sort of a different world. It's a hidden community within Africa. So you're, you're kind of getting a world building. So I think that you'll enjoy that. There are the who's who of the black community mm-hmm. actors who are in there. Everybody wanted to be in this film. The casting is beautiful. So I think that um, Chadwick Boseman plays a wonderful character. Once again, I think that everyone should enjoy this. I had a couple of notes that, that I, I put together. You, you took notes during a movie? I did not. <laughs> I did not take notes. You didn't bring your notebook like I do and write down three pages of notes when you're watching a movie? Wait, really? Yeah, I really do. No, I really do. I have a Is little notebook. I, I buy little notebooks that can fit in my pocket <laughs> and I, I take out a pencil and I don't turn on a light because he gets annoyed when I turn on a light in the movie. Exactly. That's fair. And, That's I, fair. and I write without looking and I take three pages of notes. And then oh. you look and you're like, why did I say popcorn <laughs> refill eight times? Just r- writes it with popcorn butter. That's Another what beer, more It's like pizza. a doctor's handwriting by the end of the movie. That's right. like, so what are your notes, Jim? All right, so the thing I will say is our era or the era of movies um, that w- will define this era of movie is the green screen. Mm-hmm. And that's not always a good thing. There are these pictures of Chadwick Boseman talking to someone, the beautiful plains behind him or the mountains behind him. And there's you're you're in Africa. There's no feeling of warmth. There's no breeze growing. It's just a. It's just you're, you're there, but you can tell that it's inside. That they're not really there. That they're in a, a studio in Atlanta. Well, you know, it's hard to complain about that because we can. You can create whatever world you want to create, right? But at some point, it's just defining this era of movies because the green screen is just so apparent. I mean, it's it's magical and just there Hmm. and the other thing i'm going to um, mention is there is uh, you know obviously there's a movie there's going to be conflict there's a person who will take over the mantle and this person that uh, is doing it he's playing a character and the the character in my in my opinion um as, as i understand it is a person who's got experience destabilizing governments uh, of, of foreign countries. You know, he's CIA uh, type. He's a um, military decorated soldier. And for a person who is that skilled, you know, Navy SEAL quality maybe, there's a decorum. There's a way they handle their communication. There's a way they handle their body. And Michael Jordan, who plays this character... Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. The B stands for basketball. Basketball. (laughs) Exactly. Number 23 himself. (laughs) The other Michael Jordan. Yeah. He comes across much more of a street level uh, character. Hmm. Um, And I think that that is a a disservice of of a person who would have this type of accomplishment. Hmm. Um, And that's just me being nitpicky. But, I mean, other than that, my goodness, if Marvel can make Guardians of the Galaxy exciting and uh, Ant-Man something we all want to see... Black Panther is is a joy. I mean, I think that people will enjoy it. Where are you at on the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Are you enjoying these films as they come out? I like them. I, and Spider-Man counts, the new one, right? Sure. I 100% think so. Counts. I think the new one, the Homecoming yeah. counts is in the, in the universe. Because I didn't even want to go see it, but I saw it and I loved it. The, yeah. They are entertaining no matter what. Even if the storyline is sometimes cookie cutter, like you were saying, it they're always going to be fun to watch. I don't think anybody a hundred years from now are going to say these are these are movies you have to see and the hundred best movies in the world. <laughs> they're not. They're meant. They're meant to be serials and meant to be consumed. And they're good at what they do. 
fun for the moment. So there you go. There's your review of Black Panther. Give it give it your scale out of 100. I would say 65, 70. Okay. So out of 100. Not, so good stuff. Not your favorite. You you declared Thor Ragnarok your favorite Marvel film when that came out. Well, it has uh, you know Jeff Goldblum in it. There you go. That's the difference. <laughs> That's the Be, difference. Being Jeff Goldblum. It is Jeff Goldblumiest. Yes. <laughs> I got a chance to see the documentary Bill Nye Science Guy. This is the documentary that was kickstarted a few months back. And you were part of that kickstart. And of, uh, like I am apt to do, I am apt to give my money into projects that I like and this is a project that I was really excited about. Bill Nye was such a huge factor in the 90s education. Ryan remembers being oh, in, yeah. you said third grade? Uh, easily all of elementary school, parts of middle school. He'd throw on Bill Nye every so often. PBS? Yeah, back then. Mm-hmm. Now he's on... Uh, he's on Netflix, Netflix now. He's got a That's Netflix right. show. It's more of a talk show than yeah. a science show, which which is a little bit frustrating to me. But this documentary goes into the the reason why Bill Nye is who he is. This character that was created for TV for <laughs> educational purposes and the science that he was showing kids, getting American kids excited about science in the 90s certainly was part of the effort we yeah. his original show was it aimed at elementary uh, kids or middle oh, def- school definitely elementary, elementary. definitely okay. in elementary okay. it, it definitely had that 90s uh kids show element to it where they mm-hmm. did wacky things and they, he was the wacky scientist and he said wacky things and it was definitely aimed at the elementary school with a little bit of a nod to those middle school kids okay. my middle school kids would still like it because of the nostalgia factor yeah, exactly but it's definitely intended for elementary kids. Okay. This documentary goes into all of how this happened, how the cultural phenomena of Bill Nye took off in the last 20 years. How PBS built Bill Nye to what he is now. Yes. (laughs) The the one thing that bothers me is how much Bill Nye talks about climate change. Mm -hmm. He feels that it's very important that we look at climate change. We look at humans and what we are doing and how we are affecting the planet. And that becomes his mission in so many ways. It's, it's dominating his message. Yeah, and it bothers me that that is the one thing that we talk about more about Bill Nye than any of the science and the education that he gave us. It's a, that, well, that, especially because that's not even, that's not the goal of the documentary. It should be, here's something he's interested in, let's go back to our our story that we're trying to tell. Yeah. But Yeah, it, it really dominates. Well, and, and, and in fact, I think that's part of what he is seeing in society, sort of anti-science or denying scientific information. The the challenge with climate change is it be, it's become so political mm-hmm. that the political message overrides his credibility as a science teacher. Right. Mm-hmm. And his message should be, we all should become science literate. And by by the way, if you're science literate, you're more likely to accept the data that's coming through climate change or maybe or maybe it makes you more critical of it but the point is it it moves to a scientific discussion as opposed to a political discussion where no one you're not going to win a political discussion about something that becomes so controversial. I absolutely agree with you. You've, you've hit it. That is ex- exactly what's happening in this documentary. It's still a 100% at Rotten Tomatoes. 25 different critics have looked at this and said, this is a great film. This is a great film. For both of you, as, as kids, though, Bill Nye was a very important part 
of your life. It's maybe as much as Mr. Rogers was to uh, me. Yeah. May, think of um, uh, LeBar Bur- uh, Burton with um, uh, Reading, Reading Rainbow. Okay, what what he meant? And Star Trek: The Next Generation. Exactly, but but what? <laughs> well, that's before me. Wow. <laughs> or how about today, Rick Steves, uh, another person who is on PBS and mm-hmm. you know, traveled to Europe. And There have been so many great characters on PBS. I grew up watching PBS. Did you have cable growing up, Ryan? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you didn't watch PBS probably as much as I did. Oh, man, I, I was waiting for Batman to come on for the most part. That was that nice. was my emphasis as a kid. Batman the Animated Series? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. Adam West for <laughs> no, me. Hey, Adam no. West for you. So you got you both Batman <laughs> generations. Exactly. <laughs> a little, um, but Kevin Conroy. I mean, definitely. Oh, there's yeah. no doubt. And Mark Hamill. <laughs> wow, we have gone away from the Bill Nye conversation <laughs> completely. Bill Nye was influential on the children of the '90s. I am not a child of the '90s. I am a child of the '80s. But you're a teacher. But I am a teacher, and I am always looking for that educational. Thing, that mm-hmm. thing that will bring all of us to the next piece of knowledge. And Bill Nye did that for a very long time. I, I, I have not watched as much of the Netflix series as I did because it's more of a talk show. Sure. It's less about science. It's more about the politics. And it seems like some of the parts of his show on Netflix seem to be um, not aimed at young people. Uh, it's yeah. not appropriate for young people. It is definitely aimed at the Ryans of the world who are no longer the young people, who are mm-hmm. no longer the elementary school student. They are now the teachers and what things you're thinking about. Well, like they just maybe they want to see that look behind the curtain too. Like what helped get him to where he was when I was able to say, oh, it's Bill Nye, the science guy. Cool. Yeah. That may be a little disservice though, cause, because if you think of like Mr. Rogers, if he came out with an adult talk show mm-hmm. later on, you know, that really kind of undermines, you know, why how we know this person. I know he's a brand right. as much as he is a person. And anyway, I, I I understand Netflix has taken a lot of chances with a lot of their shows. Mm-hmm. Think of the, the Michael Bolton show from uh, a year ago, <laughs> yes. the uh, big sexy Valentine show, yeah. which really was a miss on, on many levels because it kind of undermined what Michael Bolton was very good at mm-hmm. and uh, put him in a different market and all of a sudden if you're watching it and you were from the i don't know the swooner crooner uh age and you're now watching this person who's trying to appeal to young people this this it may not be the right market for you yeah I also got a chance to go to our high school production of The Wedding Singer this weekend. Excellent. So I I know that everybody listening knows that I am all about musicals. I put on musicals at the middle school level. Ryan was in the musicals when he was in my school. Back in the day. Back in the day. We did sound. We did sound. You were the sound guy. It was good times. Although I'm sure most of it was you were helping us do it all and then we just kind of mirrored but no i'm I'm pretty good at letting you guys figure it out but yeah putting together a musical is quite a adventure the adventure of this thing this giant production and finding a way to work with people going to see my students at the high school after they've left me at the middle school is so rewarding well you recognize it's a great big team sport is really what it is it's not any different than playing baseball or football You've got to work together as a team. You've got people who are putting together lighting and, and the sound. You've got the actors who are on there, the people stagehands. There's there's a coordination going on there that, that requires a lot of communication. A lot of communication and a lot of understanding, a lot of endurance. Mm-hmm. There's so much that goes into it. So Ryan is here because he he's a teacher now. 
That's, and there's definitely a part of it too. I mean, if I have my own podcast, that probably, own podcast. that probably says something about hmm. the experience I had working with you on sound, hmm. what, 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was. Which brings us to, let's talk about the movie you saw, The Disaster Artist. <laughs> the disaster what a artist. setup we've talked about the disaster artist so many times being in a production being a part of a production is is a big endeavor and tommy wiseau making the room such as it was was an endeavor we see that in the disaster artist tell tell us about your history with the room and the disaster artist so my i only saw it through like those awful youtube clips like you know when he goes to get the flowers and it's a terribly overdubbed and quick like just awful scenes all around the flower scene is so terrible <laughs> yeah it's so well, what's, what's cool is at the end of that they showed shot for shot the james franco versus the actual the room yes. scenes and they're almost perfect it's kind of creepy at it, times the room is typically known as the best worst movie Yes. All right. So this is a, a movie that the was put Citizen together. Citizen Kane of bad movies. All right. So <laughs> so like almost like Plan Nine uh, from Outer Space. Very very similar to Plan Nine from Outer Space. And this movie that you saw was based on the yes putting together this movie. It starred James Franco, Seth right. Rogen. Um, and it came out during the Christmas season. And it's going to be available for streaming on Amazon today, as a matter of fact, coming out on DVD March 13th. So, excellent. You can go right to Amazon uh-huh. and you can watch it. Yep. And you got to see it. And, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> you still haven't seen this movie, Chip. <laughs> I have not. In fact, I looked for we it this weekend. We talk about it all the time. We talk about this movie like on every show. On this, on this show? It's on coming. this show all the time. <laughs> Somebody always brings it up. You, you have to get... Well, to it. today, I'll end up watching it this evening. There you go. There, there you go. go. Today, this evening. Well, it's good because it, it doesn't just focus on like the ridiculousness of it. We were kind of thinking maybe Tommy had a little more input into it. But it, it showed like the behind the scenes, like he is still a person. He still had these desires and it highlighted the the issues for actors trying to make it in Hollywood. And there, was, there wasn't just a plot. There was background to it and emotion to it which was nice they were so kind to tommy they were so kind they could <laughs> have been just awful much. oh yeah. maybe maybe too much they could have just looked at him and gone wow this guy is from mars right and look at all these weird things that he did the book kind of goes into a lot more detail of some of the uh possibly immoral things that Tommy mm. chose to do to put together the room and the movie is very kind they just kind of hint at it like should I say it and then they like that's actually a scene where yeah. is it Dave Franco the brother yeah he's in it too and he says I'm just gonna like he's threatening to say how the movie was funded for example mm-hmm. but uh it was really cool actually to like you know the scene with Brian Cranston yes. for example that's probably the coolest part for me because some I don't want to is that a spoiler I don't know if that's a spoiler. I don't know. I don't know that we can spoil a a remake of what true. A true that's life true. experience. This is history. That's Brian true. Cranston is featured in the Disaster Artist as himself meeting <laughs> meeting Greg Sestero in a bagel shop and. Brian Cranston says, hey, do you want a part on my show? I'm directing an episode of my show. Would you like to have a part? And struggling actor says, yeah, I'd love to have a part. And then he does not go to be in that show. Right. Well, because, again, manipulation, Uh all those things. But then they show Tommy still in this positive light. Mm Because it was the beard issue, right? That's what it was for him? They needed a lumberjack? Yes. I can't remember. I think it was Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Doing an episode, something along the lines of they needed a lumberjack. Oh, and there was a, a shaving scene in the room 
where the character comes back and he's clean shaven as opposed to having a beard. Right. Yes. The the idea of the way the actor looked is what made Brian Cranston want him for a lumberjack, right. but in the room he was supposed to be shaving his beard for the clean shaven scene at the end. <laughs> and so he lost that opportunity to be in Malcolm in the Middle because he was busy appeasing Tommy. Which is it was so funny when the the intro for Brian Cranston came in because that's that's how I knew Brian Cranston back then. Like when I knew that he was doing Breaking Bad, I was like, oh, he can't do this. Right, he's the dad. But from now, it, exactly. But now it's like, oh, you think of him as Malcolm in the Middle? That's ridiculous. Right. He's Breaking Bad. He's right. he's all the uh, LBJ. He's all these people. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so you recommend this film? Oh, absolutely. It oh, was yeah. much more than I thought it was going to be, and it was great. All right, Steve, we've got good movies opening up this week, don't we? Yeah, there's a lot of good movies opening this week. We've got Game Night. We've been talking about this one for a couple of weeks. We saw the trailer for this one weeks ago, and we thought, ooh, this is going to be fun. This is the one to take your wife to. Yeah, this is Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams doing a murder mystery night, a fun couple's It's a game night. night. It it would be like um, a bunch of neighbors getting Mm -hmm. together and playing games. Yeah. And what we learn is that they are very competitive, uh-huh. and they their attraction to each other, and the reason they became a couple, is because of their love of games. So, uh, it seems like this one's moved up to a different level, Steve. Yeah, the trailer really <laughs> gets out of control real quick, where this game night becomes not only a murder mystery, but maybe maybe there's actual murder happening. Uh, uh, the there's, gu- there's gunshots, uh-huh. and there, there seems like there's going to be... Let's just say they've taken it to a different level. This is a comedy with a lot of shock to it. This is one of those shock comedies. Well, I think our wives the, are going to love this. This is the guy that did Horrible Bosses, right? The director so, or something? Yes. So that, that type of... It's on that level of, of things going right. really strange, <laughs> really unusual, not normal things happening. There you go. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that one. There is another one called Annihilation. You may have seen the commercials for this one the last couple of weeks. This stars Princess Amadala. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac. So we've got the Star Wars crowd wanting to see this science fiction story about a biologist who's sent into a mysterious zone to figure out what's happening in this mysterious zone. There's, There's some crazy. sort of biological problem. Well, to like save her husband that came out of the zone. Or her husband came out of the zone, but he's not the same as right. when he went into the zone and she's sent in to figure out why. Is this how dem- democracy dies, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I read this book in 2014. It is the first of the Southern Reach books by Jeff Vandermeer. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it very much. That's why we didn't talk about it on the show. Um, there's dinosaurs in it or something like that. There's a monster. There's monsters. There's this plants. is kind of a horror film, isn't there's, it? There's a suspense horror element to it and a lot of lighthouse. Oh, look, the lighthouse, everyone. It's the lighthouse. Did you see the lighthouse? Oh, yes, the lighthouse. Mm. It's a very frustrating book. I, I, I don't know that this movie is going to be great. I don't know it's going to be awful. I don't know that I'm going to see it. All right. There you go. <laughs> There's a movie called Every Day. This is a sci-fi teen film. So I have I have a daughter. Yes, you do. And she would probably be interested in this film. The storyline here is a teenager falls 
for someone who transforms into another person each and every day. Every day that this person wakes up, they are in a different body and experiencing the life of some other stranger. So science fictiony uh-huh. slash young love. Young love. This is nice a movie that change. Ryan's probably going to get to see. I'll get dragged to this right after Black Panther. <laughs> of course, I want to be in Black Panther, but it, it doesn't look bad. <laughs> it's true. It, it's this an interesting good. concept. It's a nice idea of. Is it trying to think about like soulmates, or is it just about the whole look beyond like skin color look and beyond yourself? And, you know, live a day in somebody else's shoes. That sure. sort of concept. There's this joke where the, in the in the trailer where um, somebody's running down the street and she goes, "This person really needs to work out." <laughs> <laughs> that would be my body. <laughs> they're, oh, they're don't get me started, young man. <laughs> don't even. So we have a couple premium shows that are coming out uh, this weekend also yes. on Sunday. This uh, Sunday. S- Steve's uh, very excited about one of them. Don't call me on Sunday night because Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 3 premieres on Sunday night on Stars. There you go. So if you, if you have streaming service uh, or if you have the regular service, you can go uh, and watch it. I will be paying extra for a premium cable channel because i want nothing else but to watch ash versus evil dead extra blood three. Oh my god the blood those of you who have not been listening to me talk about ash versus evil dead for the last two years this is the third season of this it is slapstick comedy and buckets of blood it is that kind of horror comedy that i enjoy so very much it's so silly it's so three stooges they use three stooges like sound effects in films. that's right so, so if ryan was going to have a barbecue say uh sunday evening what would he be watching oh i would be checking out walking dead i'm really excited for that that's Mid-season a season premiere that's right yeah. this is on amc season eight it's been eight oh, seasons of the walking dead and you can Sometimes tell it's been eight seasons yeah. when it drags out, but other times it's it's good. Well, Robert Kirkman, <laughs> the writer of the comic, has basically announced that he has the ending, and they're oh. working towards it right now. So, really? see, be careful with that because Dexter had an ending, quote unquote, and it was executed very poorly. Okay, because yeah. they got signed on for two more seasons. They said, "Nope, we're going to end it the right way." And I was like, "Really? That's what they decided with that ending?" Oh. Don't want to spoil it. Mm. so we'll see what happens with the walking dead it's still entertaining you're still watching it you know it's really the build-up that gets frustrating but you know those bookends to the season that's when they get you so it's enough Uh excellent Brings us to our book at our book of the week. And since Ryan's here, Ryan's a teacher and I'm a teacher, we see all sorts of different types of students all the time. We decided to talk about one of our favorite books, maybe for the last decade. This is a book that's 15 years old, turns out. Actually, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's 15 years old. This is The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. This is a very interesting book mystery it's technically a murder mystery if you think about it yeah definitely this is the story of a young man who finds out that the neighbor's dog has been killed it's got a pitchfork through it so somebody clearly killed the dog this was not an accidental death and this young man goes on to investigate what happened to the dog this is not a very long book this is about a little over 100 pages Mm -hmm. so this is something you can sit down in one evening and read yes Mm -hmm. the other part is this is a young adult book Correct. So this is a book that's basically meant for um, for teens and above. So everybody can read this. The interesting twist is 
our narrator is an autistic boy. He has a different way of communicating from all of the other characters. Our unreliable narrator tells us what's happening and we don't know that it's not exactly the same as what is truly happening. We find out through the course of the narration that, oh, that's not really what was happening. That was just his perception that he was giving us. Right, and it's, it's interesting to hear his perspective and you can kind of paint the picture seeing, oh, this is some sort of miscommunication in a scene or something like that. Uh, but seeing his cognitive process, it's really interesting as he's putting these pieces together for us, again, in an unreliable fashion. Yeah, the writer was able to do this in such a skillful way where you accept the character, you know all about him during the course of the story, and you are able to suss out what is really happening in the middle of what he's telling you is happening. Yeah. So you're basically going through a filter, mm-hmm. and then you're trying to solve you know, what happened to this dog. Um, in addition, you're trying to, to solve what, how he's communicating. What do you, what's really going on what around there? What's really going on? What is the rest of his story? And we find out through the course of the book, the rest of his story is very different from what he was told was happening in his life. Now, this book ha- is an acclaimed book. Uh, people have enjoyed it for, for a number of years. 15 years, yeah. And it's been turned into a play also, right? Yes. This was on Broadway in 2014 for a couple of years. It toured. It was here in Chicago in 2016 okay. as a play. And I would be very interested to see yeah, an I'm adaptation sad. of I'm that. I'm sad I missed it, actually, yeah. just a couple of years ago. Just to, just to see how they presented it. One thing mm. that we find in education, or at least I find in education, is the, that diversity of students... We have these students who see things differently. The perspective is different. And we need to modify the mm-hmm. way that we show those kids something and the way that the other kids see things. I'd say it's a great book if you want to talk, talk about empathy. It's, it's, oh, gonna, yeah. it's a huge empathy builder. Even for adults, if we're, even if we think we have this empathy, there's still a perspective we don't account for. And I think it's great for building that. Well, in fact, that's a good point is that many adults do not read or have not read in a long time. And this sounds like the perfect type of book. It's, it's, it's not too long. And, uh, you know, this type of spring break book, you yeah. know, kind of yeah. sit down and, and plow through something and, and gain a new perspective. And you get wrapped up into the story very quickly. Oh, yeah, you will want to do it in one sitting. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I, I have not read this, so you've got me intrigued. I'm surprised that we haven't talked about this in the last 15 years. This is this is a really good book that gives you a lot of interesting ways to think about perspective and narration. I really do suggest it. Again, it's called The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. It is 2003, 15 years old. It's by Mark Haddon. You can find it on our Amazon store, amazon.toomuchscrolling.com. Scroll with it. So, Ryan, you are a professional teacher. How about that? That's a weird, weird to hear it. You are. This is your first year. <laughs> first year teaching, and he also runs a podcast. And you're a professional podcaster. Oh, definitely not professional. Uh, you are an amateur <laughs> podcaster. There it is. He's professional. He's been paid. He's been paying, <laughs> like most podcasters, he's been paying to, to get his voice out there. So so somebody else is a professional because you're paying them for your yeah, podcast. Exactly. His, his podcast is Classroom Brew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is this podcast about? Uh, the name kind of Im- implies it, but we tried. We wanted to make it a little more creative. 
But essentially, I sit down with teachers, or sometimes I'll have an individual episode, and we'll just chat about things over a beer or two. It's great. It leads to a lot of a lot of laughs. And are these about teaching or just about any types of subject? You know, we typically try to keep it related to the classroom, but mm-hmm. it typically goes like above the classroom administration, things like that, stuff going on in education. But we always stray off to a, a multitude of topics that we didn't intend to. Yeah, you know, what inspired you to become a teacher? Hmm. Originally, I was teaching in a psych facility because I wanted okay. to volunteer during my undergraduate. Um, career. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, all right, I'll volunteer in the hospital. And I transferred in um, from one unit to a psych unit where they had like a little school. So that way inpatient students wouldn't fall behind. Mm -hmm. And then people that were unable to be in their homeschool, this will become their school as outpatient. And so I just, I started to get more and more responsibility. I met some great people there like Nancy and Patrick. Uh, So if they listen to this, shout out to them. But it kind of helped me see like there's more to it than just the content. It's also advocating for your students, meeting their needs on an education, educational and psychological level. And starting with where they're at to get them to the goals that you want to achieve in the classroom. That's, right, exactly. that's one of the biggest challenges is these kids are all coming from different backgrounds. They all have different needs and we are assigned to get them to the finish line, all right. of them, the same finish line <laughs> at the same time. Right. That's that is complex, and you you learn a lot about people oh, yeah. when you're teaching. I I really feel that I'm more of a sociologist than <laughs> I am a computer teacher. That's a wise way to put it. Yeah, I, I think so. I learn so much about society. There's a reason why we have public education. We are trying to make our society better. Our little corner of that makes that happen in some way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. As long as it's in a positive way, you would hope. You would hope that all <laughs> teachers were doing positive things and making lives better. There are certainly bad teachers, just like there are bad priests and bad cops. Right. But hopefully, the majority of us are doing the right things to make everybody smarter. Right. So it was. Let's just say it's the end of the year at the uh, the psych ward where you were helping out the students, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, it's the end of the school year. How would you like your students to remember their time with you? I think regardless of when I was working in the hospital or when I was student teaching or now in my first year uh, in Chicago, I think I want them to focus on, because they're not going to remember the historical content that I teach them day by day. It's a simple matter of fact. I want them to think, all right, he actually pushed me to get to where I wanted to be, whatever that may be, as well as he actually cared enough about me to hold me accountable but to also make sure that I had the things that I needed. That would be my hope. That's that's amazing. That is amazing that you have that perspective. Speaking as an old man teacher, with you with you as a young man teacher... You, you need to work on the voice. Speaking as an old man Remember 2007 when you were in 8th grade? Oh, and, times. And you were backstage helping me with sound on our, on our musicals. I absolutely think about how am I impacting the lives of these students and what can I give them? What tools can I give them? Not to put on a musical. You have, have you put on a musical since you left my school? Nope. Okay. So it's not a 
about putting on a musical. It's about those skills and mm-hmm. building what you need. And I think you have some. Uh, I think you have some influence. Oh yeah, definitely over that, your students. And, and I think I had some influence over my students. Absolutely. Well, look at the. You saw a bunch of your alumni. Oh, at yeah. the high school for that play. Sure. So many students. I'm so proud of everything that they've been able to accomplish in the musical arena. But then going forward, you have a podcast. You have a classroom. I, I'm very proud to say that I was able to influence you a little bit at least. Oh, definitely. Definitely a big influence. And you drink beer. That's right. (laughs) That was the biggest Of course. It's the most influential thing right there. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Uh, When you get of age, you can drink beer. That's right. It sounds like that by uh, giving the proper amount of tools and uh, teaching or uh, giving the student the confidence to engage and be part of some something, whether it's the schoolwork or a, something like a play, uh, seems like that's that's in, the incredible important part about teaching. Yeah, and, and I, I think one of the big things too is when I was in high school, one of the best lessons I learned was from my my football coach. This was my freshman year, and I, I learned a lot of lessons from all my football coaches uh, throughout the years. But John Bigler, who is still teaching. He actually, there was an article I read, you might have seen this online too, where some student was writing an op-ed about the greatest lesson that she learned from John Bigler. And he, I remember, because for me, it was on a football field. For this student, it was, he was sitting in a classroom on a stool and he said, none of you in this room is special, which is such a big awakening because it's, it's tough love, but it's preparing them for that future where I'm going to help you build those skills. But you got to realize when you get out in the real world, they don't care what your situation is. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that stuff in between the bells that you learn uh, that really help you develop as a person. Well, e- even the most special players, in fact, every NBA player is a special player in the sense they got to the NBA. But it's really probably a difficult thing where you were the, the best player on your high school team. And may, maybe you were the best player on your college team and you get to the NBA and you recognize your skills are like, they may be the best, but you're in a, a sea of people who are, just like you, right? trying to make their way in a world of LeBron James. <laughs> well, and every one of us at some point, at least when I was growing up, we were told, oh, you're special, you're special, you're mm-hmm. special. And it's not to say you're not important, but in the real world, you are not special. You're just one in a million of people trying to get whatever you guys want. So you have to set yourself apart. You have to find your thing that makes you at least feel special even if you're not special to somebody else the thing that you know i love to talk about musicals and podcasting that's what i do i all of my students know that this show exists they all know how much i love to do the musical if i was told that i couldn't do the musical i wouldn't teach computers i was gonna say steve steve's wife enjoys every one of those conversations too yeah she she's she supports all of this (laughs) she supports all of this craziness that is steve's life she'll be a saint later on yeah she's already (laughs) she's already pretty close putting up with all taking up the whole basement with a studio yeah yeah she i love you honey (laughs) what is your hope for what you're able to say do for your students in the classroom i think the and I, i talk a little bit about accountability but i try to make sure that i'm developing them not just academically with their skills with literacy but also as a person, because a lot of the time my classroom is the only place that they get structure. Mm -hmm. And so being able to provide that, 
even though they don't like it initially, I'm hoping eventually they'll see that in the future as, oh, that helped me get to where I am, if they become successful. Fingers crossed. Okay. Right, let's move over to the podcast real quick, because this is where you're, you're actually having conversations with other your peers, your, right. the other teachers. Who do you hope to reach with the discussions on the podcast? I think part of it, and initially it was, I, I'd like a fun hobby where I can get together with people over a couple of drinks, just like a good excuse to get together. Mm-hmm. My hope, and it's kind of started to manifest itself, is that it's reaching other people in the profession that maybe they're in their first year as well, and then they're trying, like they're stressed out or something, and they need to hear other people's perspectives. The other thing too is I get listeners that are not teachers, which is kind of cool, because they get that inside look. And then I maybe, I don't really tell my students about my podcast, because yeah. uh, it's technically an explicit podcast on iTunes. <laughs> So ours is not. <laughs> we're going blue, baby. No, no we're not. <laughs> but it, you know, I hope it would be something that if someone were to look back, they would see the humanity and what we're trying to do, especially in a time when politically we're being mandated to do stuff, and it's being told by people outside of the profession mm-hmm. without that expertise, without those qualifications. Can I say that part? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so, what are the, some of the topics that you talk about and, and that you share? So somehow everyone always wants to talk about cell phones in the classroom. Everybody loves getting it's to that. It's a big, big issue right now. We are yeah. certainly in a tweener stage where should we allow them to use these devices? Are these devices the best thing that's ever happened? Or is it the worst thing that's ever happened in our society? So where are you at on that? You know, it's tricky because I've, I've been in schools where they have one-to-one technology. I'm also in a school right now where that is really not the case. Mm-hmm. And I've tried implementing it in different classrooms, and it's worked, like something like Pear Deck or Poll Everywhere. And it is it is effective. What What is Pear Deck and Poll Everywhere? How Do you know how you would put it into... The know. idea of one-to-one technology is we can share information both ways. The teacher can suggest a topic. Students can then do their work and send it in digitally is poll that, everywhere is, is that like it, the google chrome books that the uh, the students have in our districts in our district we have one-to-one with google chrome okay. yes every student has their own device in his school they have a cart of chromebooks right and most of your students have some sort of device of their own their personal <laughs> device unfortunately yes and and the idea Boy, that sounds like that would be a true challenge if everyone has the same if if something's going on with Google Chrome, we know it's Google Chrome. Right. But if you have a Windows-based computer and you have a MacBook and... You and, and most of his are handheld phone yeah, for the style most okay. devices. But the idea is to utilize that addictive ability for that phone to take your attention. If they want to play with their phone, finding a way to influence that into the classroom poll anywhere allows you to ask them a question and they pull out their phone and they answer the question so if i said to you hey what's the capital of japan then that would be something where you could go to say google and you could what is the capital of japan and it would come up what and then that is. they could submit that okay. through poll anywhere yeah. poll anywhere generally is not fact-based right. google-ish okay sort of information it's more of opinions right and Pear Deck, I'm not as familiar with Poll Anywhere, but I know mm-hmm. with Pear Deck, you can do things where they're drawing on their phone to submit an answer or a short answer, or maybe it's multiple choice. So there's okay. different formats, which is kind of cool. All right. So. Let's go back to that real quick. So if it's not fact-based, it could be, you know, how do you feel about uh, planting more trees right. um, in the, the park? 
and someone could say, well, I, I don't like it because it takes away my place to play ball. Mm-hmm. Or someone could say, well, I like it because I like shade. Or it's where the birds live. Or whatever. We kind of and then we start a discussion about okay. those issues that are not the factual. Columbus sailed the ocean blue in fourteen hundred ninety-two. You know, more of a why instead of a when okay. question. Okay, that's where we're at in education right now. Is yeah. anything that you can Google? Why are we spending time teaching that? That that type of fact-based information. I think it's going to be part of our uh, the book we're going to discuss hmm. during spring break. So that's a teaser. We'll bring you there. <laughs> Education right. is changing. That that's where we're at. Is is getting kids motivated might be going to where they are, which mm-hmm. is this handheld device that they have in their pocket and using that, leveraging that into your classroom. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's again, that's the biggest wormhole that we've gotten into. It's come back at least a dozen times mm-hmm. as we try to talk about other other topics and we just get distracted and most of the time, it's frustration with oh, the phones in school, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, you have on your podcast a lot of teachers as guests. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the other teachers. Yeah, it, it's always fun to hear about their experiences, even if it's someone that's in my building, to hear their perspective because mm-hmm. it's entirely different than what I have. One of my favorite stories, though, is probably my buddy Peter. And I, I talk about this one a lot because it's very significant. When he was student teaching, there was an assembly going on. Apparently... This was like one of the best uh, attendance days for an assembly. People were very motivated to pay attention to the assembly because apparently one student, do you know airdropping on an iPhone? I, I am aware of the concept. The, you, the concept of airdropping mm-hmm. is sending a file uh, that then appears on all of the iPhones. In the that, area. In the area. So a student <laughs> airdropped some sort of pornographic material during this assembly. <laughs> Yep. Well, that's going to make for fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, trying to clean that up. So someone was saying like students were walking out and they're like, this was the best assembly we've ever had all year. <laughs> and, and just to, I mean, I'm going to play, paint it as, as legally as I understand it. The deal is, is if something like that happened, that could be a, that's a real oh, nightmare. It's a, it's a nightmare. I would not want to be the one having to deal with that because mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things you have to worry about. Well, you got parents and then you got kids who have things on their, their, their phones I mean, it just becomes trying to, to clean that up as a, uh, a principal, as the teachers, right. as, as a parent. And when it happens once, the odds of it happening again are pretty good. They know how to do it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Once they get the idea. Yeah. But anyways, you get stories like that, and then it opens up sometimes a political or policy-type discussion. But we, we try to keep it kind of light, like a more... Technically, it's in the comedy section of podcasting, because... Most of the time, if you mix drinks with funny stories, that's where it takes you. But So, do you think you have a book in you? I mean, you're a first-year oh. teacher. Is there a book in your first year? <laughs> uh, maybe a combined between my time and working in a psych facility with my first year in mm-hmm. an interesting school setting, maybe. There's some great stories <laughs> out there. I've, I've got a lot of great stories in my tenure. Oh, I bet. And uh, there's, there's some books that could be written about some of these <laughs> situations, that's for sure. I would read it for sure. Where could our listeners find out more about Classroom Brew? Well, you can always, of course, the easiest way is always just give us a Google, but we are on Instagram and Twitter, at Classroom Brew. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. There's a YouTube channel, all the things that Steve suggested when you start this podcast. Say, these all sound like really there. great ideas, Ryan. Where did you come <laughs> up with all these great ideas for where to put your podcast? <laughs> 
<laughs> See the teaching influence? It never stops. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Here we are, you know, 15 years later, and you are sending me a Facebook message. Hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Yeah. What should I do? And I gave you as much information as I could, and, and you're running with it. It was I'm, great. I'm proud of you, man. Thanks. Thanks. That's I appreciate awesome. the, the support, too. Absolutely. That's always good. Absolutely. But yeah, anywhere you can find your favorite podcast, you can find Classroom Brew. There you go. That's awesome. I, I'm I'm shining. I'm excited at this point. He's glowing. I think we have enough information <laughs> to survive another week. What do you think, Chip? Only if we can come back next week, Absolutely. Steve. Absolutely. If you need more information, give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Go to our website, toomuchscrolling.com. Send us an email, toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. I'll tell you how to start your own podcast. <laughs> you can go to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and every day of the week. You can go to our news site, news.toomuchscrolling.com. I want to thank you again. I want to thank Ryan for coming in. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having me, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's been great. It's been really great. I, I I am the happiest person in the basement right now. <laughs> I want to thank you again for listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hessenflug. We'll see you in the future. So that was my fun appearance on Chip and Steve's podcast. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you guys for tuning in every single week. And as always, class dismissed.